0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be out there in Steelers Nation, and welcome to episode number 73 of the Still City Insider Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jeremy Ritz, alongside Mr. Jim Wexel, and joining us once again, we are truly grateful, Steelers great, and current Steelers color analyst, Craig Wolfley is with us. Jim, Wolf, how are you guys doing this fine day?
1: I'm doing great. Doing great also, Wex. Doing great. Thanks for having me on yet again.
2: Well, Wolf, you know why we're having you on. This is episode seventy-three. Oh, oh, oh. oh we have numerology going on here. You're the oh. you're the honorary number seventy-three. We have retired your jersey at Steel City Insider. I don't know what
1: good that'll do you, but no, but for the moment, just for the moment.
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, you know, Wolf, I, I,
2: I, I. Give you, and Jeremy's idea too, um, give you all the credit for being number 73. But how about that block, number 73 made in the play of the game, uh, play of the preseason? Talk
1: about that play a little bit, Wolf. You know, the beauty of it is you got Jalen Warren. You got, well, first of all, you got Mason Cole. You got Isaac Suamalo, who's now assumed in part of the legacy of 73s that are playing at left guard. Then you got Danny Moore. Playing left tackle on the backside, you got James Daniels, you got Chooks Akorafor. Now, the beauty of it is the outside zone has been run every day up at training camp. And the blocking scheme, as the schematics were, they were so basic. It's just simple. You drop a foot, you run towards the sidelines, you get on the track, and you know everybody gets their blocks, right? Well, Danny Moore kicks his man out. Then Isaac Samolo, he comes off and he climbs up to the second level. He takes out the 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 linebacker there. Then you got Mason Cole hooking the center like a brook trout. Gadzooks, man. And then you got <laughs> Chooks. I'm sorry. You got James Daniels on the backside. He gets up, gets his man. And then wow. Chooks does a, a, a dive on the back of a guy who's fallen down. Nice job of just kind of like uh, going along with what was going on, sealing the backside. And Jalen Warren just hits it lickety what He goes wang-dang-doodle up the sidelines for a 62-yard run. That's beautiful, but that's a routine play, and it's a routine play made routinely. But it turns spectacular when the guy takes advantage of all the routine plays being made, including Deontay Johnson with a very non china doll block down the field. So that would be the play of the preseason, if you ask me.
2: And you know, Wolf, I got to tell you, and you'll, you'll, I know you don't like this kind of stuff, but you wrote the column of the preseason. I mean, you dubbed that. You were the one that saw it for what it was—a routine play done routinely. Well, you know, and, you know, it, I, I had, I, I liked it so much, I sent it in. I, I stole, part. Of it. I stole part of it.
1: I used it. I sent it to you, baby, and you do with it what you want. You're my, my, I sent my it guy. To,
2: <laughs> I sent it to Steelers Digest, but I mean that that, you know, Mike Tomlin will be proud to read that story because that was his mantra for this camp. Routine plays done routinely. And boom, you nailed it with the big play, and it sure was routine, and it didn't look routine as it was happening. But when you break it down, it's like, well... And even Jalen Warren said it after the game. That's the epitome of a blueprint. You know, he goes... This is the play they're going to put up on the board when they want to show you what happens when everyone does their job.
1: <laughs> yes, that's exactly it, Wax. And I, I also, you know, I went on because I wanted to compare and contrast it too. Earlier in that series, on second down, we had Pickens split out to the left. You had Pickett at quarterback, right? What happens? You got Dane Jackson, the cornerback, up and press on George Pickens. Then all of a sudden, right before the snap, he bails and gives a cushion of mm, probably 8, 9, 10 yards, right? Without hesitation, Pickens goes, and in, what, what, what wouldn't have been a stop route became a stop route because of the bailout by Jackson. So he runs that little stop route, turns around, Pickett just, uh, just fires the ball in there, eight yards, boom, routine play made routinely. There was no hesitation. There was no anything other than a, a, a route that was adjusted on the fly, and that's what we're looking for. Routine plays made routinely. So spot on by you. So in what may have been the play of the uh, dress rehearsal that we dubbed
0: it last week, the Steelers do defeat the Bills preseason game to 27 to 15. They're 2-0 and in the preseason preparing for the Falcons this Thursday, wrapping up the preseason 730 game and getting ready for what's right around the corner. The first regular season contest versus the 49ers at home. We talked about the The flawless flawless execution of the run blocking on that play with Warren. But there were so many other highlights from this contest to get excited about. And what better place to start than with Kenny Pickett and work our way through the offense and over to the defensive side of the ball. But Pickett continued his solid performance this preseason. Your takes on his game
2: this past weekend. Okay, uh, it looks like a continuation of his preseason from last year. I, I know he's doing it now against the varsity every game, but it, it he he owns the preseason, and I'm not saying he doesn't own the regular season. He was just a, a rookie last year, and I liked I liked everything I saw about him last year, even through the bad times. I was writing that I liked him, I liked his moxie, and that that became mocked around the internet by the uh, so called old school writers. But uh, I've liked him, and uh, I've seen a progression. And I I tell you what, in my opinion, this Najee Harris, uh, uh, Jalen Warren controversy has taken some of the pressure off Kenny Pickett. I think there's a lot of pressure on Najee now, and I think he's going to respond highly motivated in this this first game uh, because of what's happened. You know, I I talked on Wolf, your show last week. I said that Mm -hmm. was my concern, was Najee Harris. And then I wrote a column the next day. And then the next day, boom, 62 yards. Now everybody's saying it. Except, of course, the old those old school smart writers that are pshawing it all just on one play, it's not on one play. But anyway, that we could argue, we could talk about that later, but I think it's taking pressure off Kenny Pickett.
1: I really do. You know, it's interesting. That's a that's that's a good observation, but I also look at this. Kenny Pickett doesn't need the pressure taken off him. The kid is just handling everything so well. I mean, he looks composed. He looks like he knows where he wants to go with the ball all the time. He always looks large and in charge on the field. He doesn't look like he's getting flustered by anything. There's not the the crazy timeouts and things of that uh, like that happening where he's in charge. And then you go and you look at uh, what are what we seeing? Last year we, we, we said, well, he's not throwing down the middle of the field, right? He's thrown down in the middle of the field. He got pickings for a 30-plus yarder in the first game. Then this second game, he hits a Fryermuth on another beauty of a 25-yarder down the seam, and the best part about that throw, if you look at it from the end zone, there's Matt Milano, who's a pretty dead-gum-good linebacker, and underneath coverage, you got two converging safeties over the top. He throws the ball where you literally have to adjust around, as Fryermuth had to adjust to that ball, and put it where it was safe from Milano. He didn't have to go over the top of Milano. He had to go to the back side. It was literally a back shoulder throw to the Friermuth right there in between two converging safeties and he zinged it in there just beautifully. The young man is growing as a quarterback.
2: It reminded me of Ben and Friermuth hooking up if you remember two years ago when Friermuth first came in. Ben found chemistry with him right away with those and it wasn't just the back shoulder. Sometimes he hit him on the front shoulder. Whichever right. shoulder was best. And then <laughs> You know, you 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 think, wow, Ben sure is a cagey veteran. He does, he is accurate deep. Now Pickett Pickett did the exact same thing, hit him on that back shoulder, just like you said. Well, only place where it was safe. Yes. And Friermuth can handle that. Friermuth's been waiting. He really liked what was going on with Ben, and then Ben was done, right?
1: So uh, yep. Friermuth is happy to have this chemistry back. There's no question, and as I said a couple of years ago, quite frankly, I think if you go back, I or at least a year ago, I said, you know, when they talk about the top tight ends in the league, Pat's name's got to be in that group at some point. At some point, because you just watch this young man as he grows year by year. He is, uh, he's smart. He can read the coverages. And one of the interesting things is when you put him in the slot, he'll he move out and get in the slot. He's like a slot receiver. A slot receiver has to be able to read coverage like a quarterback reads coverage, or at least read those safeties. And that's what Fryermuth does. He presents a nice target on the inside. He can beat any of the safeties between the hash marks, between the numbers, and give that quarterback a full frontal of the numbers, make him quarterback friendly. The kid is, I just think, Pat's going to be a remarkable tight end.
2: And it really will help to have those two wideouts because that's what opened up. That's what opened up the middle. Is DJ, DJ was going to run him down, out, and up, and the safety was had his eye on him. So Kenny looked to the middle, and the safety exactly. just about got there, but he didn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember, it almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? <laughs> yeah, and Pickett
0: definitely has looked precise and accurate this preseason. Uh, not just evidenced by his completion percentage, but that throw really put that on display. But a lot of other good things from the offense. Uh, how about Darnell Washington in the red zone, drawing uh, some pass interference calls? That's going to be a weapon that will should be able to be utilized in the regular season.
1: No question. You know, I mean, look at Darnell Washington. And again, I keep – got I got to reference Myron Cope, Mount Washington. You got to get that <laughs> Washington in. But literally, think about it. I mean, you literally at some points, it's almost like you have to foul him to be able to defend him. He's that big. He can post up that much. If you create the right mismatch, it's literally a defensive back almost has to foul him to be able to get – have a chance at defending that pass.
0: Yeah. And that was definitely on display. And Connor Hayward, who we have talked about uh, ad nauseum here on the show, also continues to contribute more of a hybrid role. But if you put him in that tight end group and say that he's a tight end, I mean, really from top to bottom, from Muth, I'm making sure I say it right, Jim, Gentry, Washington, and you throw Hayward in there with his nice touchdown reception. It's a really solid group. And I won't say the E word, the elite word, but This group could really make some noise as a collective unit.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead,
1: Wolf. Tight ends are good. I I love the tight ends. You know, I mean, Zooks. you look at them, each one of them has some good characteristics about them, whether it's Zach Gentry. I mean, you know, 612 is still 612. All right. (laughs) Then you've got Mount Washington and you got the Friar Muth, and then you got yourself Connor Hayward. And we're not even talking about Hot Rod Williams. I mean, this guy here. You talk to Coach Fredo, all right? Of the tight ends, this guy is is. They calls him one of the most improved guys he's had in his room over the course of the last year. The young guy, he's a he's you know a, a four or five tight end. He's um, he blocks well, comes in line, does stuff well. So that's a that's a tight room. That's an excellent room. And it could be a room that you know, I don't know how you're going to make the decisions about there. There's there's some numbers there that might not fit, but boy, you got a room full of good guys.
2: Well, you know, hot rod, the, the players, they love him. And whenever he does something well, you hear hot rod all over the field, all over the practice field. They love calling him hot rod. And um I I would I would shut him down in the last preseason game, not play him so that nobody knows anything about him, and then try to get him back on the practice squad. Because I don't think you can keep five tight ends.
1: Yeah, I don't know how that would – the numbers, like I said, but I think you're right. I mean, you would like like to be able to put that guy on the practice squad or whatever you got to do to keep him around. Yeah, definitely going to be
0: some difficult decisions made on cut-down day, which for those of you keeping track at home, that is August 29th. There's only one cut-down day. Um Now, as opposed to the multiple cuts uh, that occurred in previous years, one final thing wanted to touch on and not really in relation to the offense, but we did finally get to see Calvin Austin return a punt and man, was that beautiful 54 yards, his first uh, opportunity to make a return that could really be a, a great wrinkle in the
1: special teams unit for the Steelers. No question about it. Calvin Austin III, I always wondered what it would be like to move that fast while not riding in a car. You know what I mean? (laughs) You just watch him. It's like, wow, he goes by you, and you're like, that's just unbelievable to see that acceleration. And the the dynamics that he presents, whether it's on a go route or whether he is returning a a, a punt or, or a kick of some sort, It's it's always that possibility of going yard. I mean, it's always there with that kind of elite speed. And you simply look at it and you go, man, that is really a dynamic you want to add to the room. And I think he's going to be what he's capable of doing is going to be complementary to the likes of of both DJ and and Pickens. I think there's a good mix there of guys
2: it's going to be hard to determine who's on the field that's why you know people talking about hey play play Warren and Harrison same backfield who are you taking out are you going to take out Washington you're going to take out uh Calvin I mean you got to get these guys on the field um the one thing I like the best thing I like about Calvin Austin is that the Ravens were all set to take him with the very next pick.
1: <laughs> there's nothing like snatching one from the ravens that's for sure yeah. beautiful
2: especially guy who runs a four or three right
1: yeah yes yes
0: absolutely so we cover the offense hit a little bit on special teams let's shift over to the defensive side of the football and instead of being structured and going through player by player here let's get a little free verse let's let's look at this unit as a whole um I know it's only preseason, but only gave up 3.6 yards per carry. That rush defense maybe has solidified, shored up some weaknesses from last year. But what stood out to you, gentlemen, from the
1: performance of this defense? Well, if I'm up, I, I sit here and I look at the defensive line, Is is I just love the young bucks coming up. I mean, yeah, Zooks, you got yourself uh, right Braden right Fajoko. You know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If that guy was, he is such a, a plugger. He could plug any hole. If he was on the Titanic, that ship gets into port. You know I mean? That guy could plug it. The fact is, you got yourself a uh, Keanu Benton, who this guy is full of quick twitch nasty And inside the trenches, what I love about it, you got to have a little nasty. You can't be a trench fighter. You can't go in that tackle-to-tackle box without having some dynamic nasty in you, being able to flip a switch. And this young man's got it. He, He can club. I mean, when he throws a club, thick people in the trenches move. When you're moving thick people in the trenches, it says something about the violence of your ability to move people. I like what I see. Then you've got Isaiah Loudermilk, who I thought is just coming along just nice. He looks like he he spent the offseason catching cars rolling downhill. So there's a number of things going there in the backups. We're not even talking about Larry Ogunjobi, who hopefully now – with he gets that ankle healed up or whatever and you know he came with a new body he really trained well in the offseason he looked so good up at training camp he and Danny Moore were two of the guys that I thought wow what a difference a, a one offseason makes but if we get Ogan Joby back um I, I love the fact that you got some really good run stuffers up front and uh I don't know about you watch but I I still can't get over how in the world you come up with a, a, a Nick Herbig uh, out of yet another Wisconsin guy who just does some things that I just go, I, did I just see what I saw.
2: Right. Right. I was gonna mention Nick and uh I tell you, Marcus Golden looked good. Yeah. And we know Alex Highsmith is for real. That that wasn't a fluke last year. No. And of course TJ. So that entire front, and you know, there are times they they still usually Al as an outside linebacker when they really want to stuff the run. So that could be very interesting if you if they keep Fajoco. I'm assuming they're going to keep Fajoco. He's the strongest guy on the team. Yeah, and and as for Benton, you know Mike Tomlin did a rare thing in the Bob Labriola interview. He publicly praised him without being asked about Benton. Praised him for how well he played and said, "I can't wait." I, he he said something like, "He's sitting out this week, but I can't wait till next week." to move him up to the varsity. That's how we think when we work these guys. First, Nick Herbig goes against the third team, then he goes against the second team and see if he does it against the first team. And and that's what uh, Tom was all excited about with Benton too. So
1: uh, it could be real fun. You know what I found interesting about um, Herbig was on a play, they ran a little flare out of the backfield. Josh Allen dumps it off to the running back. Now, Herbig is running a twist with somebody on the inside. It might have been with the uh, Wreck-It Ralph, DeMar- DeMarvin Leal. Because De- DeMarvin is another guy that, you know, we we should talk about. This guy has made great progress and has shown himself to be, whether he's got his hand in the dirt or standing up, this guy is can be a lethal weapon. But he's running a twist, so he's the guy behind. And as he's twisting behind, he sees that Josh Allen, and he sees the back leaking out, and he comes back out and regains outside leverage on the back to force the back into the posse coming from inside. Everybody's running from the inside and they get, they stop it for literally very little to no gain. On the very next series or two series from that, um, the Steelers run a similar play and Greg Rousseau, who's a veteran defensive end, does virtually the same thing, caught in the middle of a twist stunt, but he stays inside and the back. Actually, that's the one where uh, Anthony McFarland made like a 10 or 12 yard run. It was interesting to me that Herbig. Was able to read that play that Russo was not able to read, and they were virtually the same play. Very interesting. Yeah,
2: speaks to the football
1: IQ of Nick Herbig, is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: Wolf, I think he just gave us the the title for this episode: "Quick Twitch Nasty." I,
1: I wrote that down. That's that's like if if you're sitting with me in the last donuts there, you're going to see "Quick Twitch Nasty" out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. That is. This is the boom. That donut is gone, baby. I thought
2: I've heard all your food jokes, Wolf.
1: <laughs> we we've been, we've hung around each other a little too long, I imagine, Jim.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you're still got fresh material, man. Oh man, yeah, that's well, cool. what are
1: you gonna do? That's.
0: So we talked about the defensive front, the linebackers. Let's shift over to the back end of this defense and the performance of the secondary. Joey Porter Jr. gets his first interception, and Shandon Sullivan, I struggle with that pronunciation, uh, and Elijah Riley also chip in with interceptions. What say you gentlemen about the performance of the back end of this defense?
1: Well, first of all, with Joey Porter, the first thing I noticed, did you see the jam that he put on that Buffalo wide receiver? Drove him out of bounds. I think when the quarterback threw the ball up, he almost pulled back on it because he was I mean, the guy's out of bounds. He can't come in bounds and reestablish himself. You know, and and here Joey just makes an easy pick. It was an excellent play. I love that. Then you got Sullivan with the tip ball. Wex, I'm telling you what, that was great athleticism. You'll never see a fat guy make a play like that out on the field because that's just too much athleticism, you know. (laughs) And then Elijah Riley, you know, I love West Point guys. You know, my son graduated West Point uh, anybody that comes out of West Point, you can sit there and go, oh man, you'll love them because those guys, as is, uh, is, 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 is said about West Point football players, the easiest part of their day is football practice.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I love talking to him. And uh, he had the interception, which was not nearly as athletic as Sullivan. Sullivan looked like a TJ Watts special there. Oh, yeah. But he got higher. Uh, and, and, um, so Riley, every opportunity I get, I talk to him, and he summed up he summed up my my stories for the day with his talk about teamwork. I, I says, I asked him, "What do you think? Is this team? Is this a young team?" And he said, "No, nah, Tay, there's some old dogs that are really wise." And he went into uh, team chemistry, and and I said, "Is there a correlation to, to West Point?" And he went on into that about family, and you know, and and you keep looking this guy in the eye, and you're thinking go ahead, look away. You don't have to stare in my eye all the time, Mr. Cadet, you know, but he's total class dude. And you want this guy to make the team. And so, uh, you know, we all loved Dal Villanueva when he was here. He was a great interview. So I used to love talking to Notre Dame guys, the best, for whatever reason, Bettis started a great trend. And then someone told me that's how Notre Dame guys are. I'm, I'm an Army convert right now. I, I want them to draft more Army guys.
1: <laughs> I agree with you. When you see Elijah, he's met, made two open field tackles on the special teams. This guy, I mean, he gets down there, and he puts a whackeration on guys. He don't know how to pop a shoot. He is a, a one-speed man, full steam ahead type dude. He does not back off at all. I really love watching him play.
2: Well, that is special teams ability is going to make the team for him, and Because I think Chandon Sullivan has slightly outplayed him a little more athletic in the slot. And, you know, uh, he played with Patrick Peterson last year and Patrick Peterson has been raving about him ever since the spring.
1: And let's not forget Keanu Neal.
2: Oh, Keanu Neal is definitely, he's a safety, he's a linebacker. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The only question I have about the secondary is whether um, Casey can stay healthy. Yeah. He's so light, but he's so reckless.
1: (laughs) I know, and you love it. But he doinks himself. That's the problem. Exactly.
2: And uh, Patrick Peterson, he gave up a couple uh, conversions on on third downs. Um, uh, Any concern uh, there, Wolf?
1: Not for me. That I I can see. You know, again, we'll we'll see the body of work. But Pat Pete has proven himself in football fields from here to San Francisco. I think it's just a matter of that's a, he's a veteran. He's just getting his veteran reps in. He's doing what he needs to do to stay tight. Guys know where they need to be based on where you are in the offseason, preseason, and then into the season. Guys like that, I don't worry about. The guy's going to be wearing a gold jacket at some point, most likely in, after his career is over. And certainly I, I got all the respect in the world for what he's put on tape thus far. Uh, he needs no... As Mike Tomlin would say, he needs no uh, praise from me to establish what he's done already. But certainly when I watch what he's done and what he means to the young guys and that secondary, boy, that's, you know, there's something about, I will tell you this. When I lined up for my first start, okay, I'm in between Mike Webster and John Cole, but I'm sitting there going, you know, I don't think much of myself, but I got two great bookends, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Let me so ask you quickly. It helps when you got, you know, guys like that sitting next to you.
2: Well, you know, this came up on our message board. Has Dan Moore been – I know Dan Moore has improved,
1: but has he been helped greatly by Siamalu playing uh, next to him? Well, I, I I'll say this. Um, you are going to be helped by a steady uh, guy that that is is experienced and is well-skilled. And here's what Jason Kelsey talked about. One of the smartest guys he's ever played next to. I mean, think about that with all the evolving defenses and all the personnel groupings that are run in and out and the interchangeable numbers that can appear anytime the center's got to make a mic call, what have you, the directing of traffic and everything. To have somebody that intelligent right next to you and to the point where a guy like Jason Kelsey, uh, such a fine center for the Eagles, was really like bummed going, I can't, you know, I was really bummed that he left because that guy was really that good. And I think it's only going to help. I still think Kevin Dotson is a skilled ball player, but Isaac Samalo brings another level of of skill in, and certainly that's going to help a Dan Moore. There's no question. Great stuff. Great stuff.
0: Hit the offense, hit the defense, came back over to the offensive line. And I do want to revisit this. Uh, We we talked about it briefly at the beginning of the episode, and, and, Wex, you really kind of hit on this last week. And it's starting to, I guess, rear its head a bit more. And that's potentially, is there a controversy brewing in the Steelers' backfield? Speaking of the the performance of Jalen Warren, the 62-yard run, is there a possibility that Warren overtakes Harris as the feature back? I think
2: there's a possibility, but it's not going to happen for the opener. I think if they struggle, you know, I think that Najee is the closer. I think... Warren is the playmaker I think he runs better routes he had the best catch rate on the team last year he's a tremendous pass blocker Asciland and Roberts hmm. uh and we, we we watched him run he's gives them more speed he's a better playmaker he gets he's low behind the the big line and he's hard to find and you know I I look at this as 2005 all over again when they decided to start Willie Parker and close with Bettis. Uh-huh. And Willie Parker is only cousins of Jalen Warren. So th- it's just it's just too easy. It's just too easy. And I, I-, I just see Najee as being a little too tall. I compared in my, my column. <laughs> remember when Chuck Knoll didn't want Franco? He wanted Robert Newhouse, his little bowling ball built like Jalen Warren. He said he doesn't like tall running backs, there's too much target area to tackle. But Franco was a freak in that he could cut at full speed. And at times he could do the small guy things. I think we're seeing, with Najee, Chuck Knoll's vision coming true with this one. He was wrong about Franco. He got talked into drafting Franco. They did the right thing. He gave Art Rooney Jr. credit for being right about this when he wanted Robert Newhouse. But I think we're seeing what Chuck Knoll was talking about. I don't see Najee as being that playmaker. And I don't see, especially in this day and age, running running your tall big guy into the line for two, three yards on first down every time. I think it changes the entire philosophy, but Warren is still a tough inside runner as well. <clears throat> and, and and again, the Kansas City Chiefs, they knocked their uh they they took their first round pick out of the lineup to play a seventh round pick last year, and they won a Super Bowl.
1: Chiefs well, wouldn't, wouldn't be messing around rules. with
2: this. Chiefs will play. Chiefs take the playmaker. The playmaker's got to play. You get another playmaker on your field. I'm done.
1: <laughs> and and well spoken and everything else. Uh, yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I still think that Najee has not yet evolved into the back that he can be. I think the problem last year had to do with the foot. You get a metal shoe in your foot. Uh, you know, in your shoe. Um, it, 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 it's not going to give you the same uh, ability to cut, to explode and do the things and show some of the attributes. Now, later on, yes, he, you know, he, after the buy things came together much better and he still has been very, very productive. I look at this as being kind of the year where we're going to see, you know, yeah, the pressure is on him, uh, somewhat, but the guy is excellent at blocking. He still runs, uh, catches the ball very well. He can still put his shoulder down and go after it for a couple of yards. Um, Last year, he had a 36-yard run, and no, it wasn't the same as a 62, but the 62 was in preseason, and Warren only had a 31-yarder last year, if I recall. (laughs) I could be totally wrong. The point being is, hey, I still want to give Najee, I want to see if this horse comes together with this line, with this ability right now in this highfalutin offense. But you're right, Jalen Warren is making his case. This is not about – I don't look at this as Najee failing. I look at this as Jalen establishing there's a niche for me. I got reps. Let me have my reps. It's – up. you know,
2: Najee has a big personality, and I am sure the coach would be worried about him being the second team, him being the closer. If they could convince him that that's a valuable role, to close out games, to short yardage, goal line, things like that. Um, but I don't want to say he has a big ego. It's just a big personality. And I don't know that he would take a demotion well. And Jalen Warren, you know, rushed for 3,000 yards in big school Utah in one year, 3,000 yards and didn't get one single offer, not one offer, a division two and a division three. So he went to junior college. He's had to prove himself his entire life. He has the demeanor to be the second teamer. It's easier psychologically on the team. The pressure's on Mike Tomlin, too. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make the right move. The team knows who gives them playmaking ability. Good point. If uh, Najee's gonna have to show it right away or it could get ugly.
1: Well, yeah. let's just say this. I'm looking forward to it how it revealing itself. You know what I mean? We'll We'll see. It's the same thing that people talked about the battle at left tackle. And I kept saying, let them compete. Hey, let them compete. Competition is the best equalizer in in, in, in sports. You know, let let the people compete at it. And the preseason and camp
2: showed that Dan Moore deserves to be the left tackle. Just as preseason and camp showed that. I I watch Najee get one, two, three yards every run in practice. They, They talk about how he is being limited. In preseason games, but not in practice, he's running first team all the time. No contact. That first day with the no contact, uh, Warren broke one for 60. Nobody wrote about it. Najee got his one, his two, his three. Every first down, the defense was hungry for him. They wanted him. They knew he was getting it on first down. They know Tomlin's agenda on contact day. It's going to the running back. So in in, in fairness, Najee had no chance. Jalen Warren still broke a long one. It's what he does, and I don't know that you can just give it one, two, three games. When I think it's already presented itself, it's already made itself to me. It's made itself clear, and um, uh, I don't know that you can just give one game away by running the old school Bettis on first down offense.
1: Yeah, I always go back to the old the uh, the old uh, saying by. Uh... Who was it? It was uh, Dishman, Chris Dishman, that uh, was uh, Hines Ward was blocking Dishman, if you remember back in the day. And uh, it was the second half, and they were running Bussy, and he's the closer. And I remember Hines telling me, goes, yeah, Dishman was like telling Hines Ward, ease up. I'm in no hurry to go over and get in front of Bussy.' You know? <laughs> those were the halcyon days, were they not, of when it was really great to close out a game with a powerful running game.
0: Yeah. Well, the competition, I'm sure, will pay dividends either way, whether it's for Warren taking over that role or to motivate Harris to perform at a higher level. We're going to get to see all that unfold. Again, final preseason game coming up here on Thursday, the home opener, September 10th against the Niners, and that's going to do it for episode number 73, the quick, twitch, nasty episode. Jim, Wolf, thank you guys so much Um, Wolf anything you want to plug or or give a shout out to that you're working on or doing
1: no I don't even know what I'm doing anymore we'll we'll figure it (laughs) out as we go all right this is what short-term concussion syndrome looks like on screen
2: but I tell you what Wolf it was it was great to have you on for episode 73 yes thank you so much for having
0: me all right welcome Everybody, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, leave us a comment. Check out Jim's work at the Still City Insider. Give him a follow at Jim Wexel on Twitter and give me a follow at Still Study. And we will see you back here for episode number 74 of the Still City Insider podcast. Thanks so much, everyone.